Hello, and welcome to the Bible Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kelly, and I'm here to help you understand what you just read in the Bible. Hello, everyone. I am so glad you're on this journey with me. If you are new, welcome. If you have any questions on how the podcast is laid out, you can listen to my introduction episode. And everyone is welcome to go to my website, bmepodcast.com, to drop me a note ask any question, or just get up to date on the podcast with the resources I have there, including links to all of my pop culture references. Welcome to week 48, Acts 17 through 49, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 14. Our timeline is 49 to 54 AD. Starting in Acts 17, we are joining Paul, Silas, and Luke as they continue on their journey in Thessalonica. As usual, we learn they are teaching in the Jewish synagogue, and some do believe. This, of course, ticks off the others who get their bad cousins and try to rush and get rid of Paul and Silas. Alas, they weren't at poor Jason's house, so the crowd takes Jason and those in his household and accuse them of defying Caesar. However, that doesn't really stick, so they are forced to pay a fine rude. But not to worry, Paul will send them a letter. Then Paul and Silas were on to Berea, and as verse 11 puts it, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true, which we should all be doing that. Of course, those in Thessalonica did not like that for a moment and caused enough trouble to the pair that believers sent Paul to Athens and Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea until they could join Paul. Then in Athens, Paul gives a great persuasive argument. Seriously studied for how good it was. Read again if you want pointers, but this speech, chef's kiss. Then Paul leaves for Corinth and the others finally join him. And Paul is continuing to preach, but of course encounters some resistance, per our usual arrangement. But this time Paul says, forget the Jews. He's preaching to the Gentiles from now on. However, when he left, he meets Titus, Eustace, and Crispus, and they show Paul that they can become believers, and even God speaks to Paul in verse 9, saying, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul followed God's instructions and continued speaking. And sure enough, even though there were some in the synagogue who brought Paul to stand in front of the Roman authority there, Galileo, it didn't work. Galileo was like, yeah, this has to do with your beliefs, and I'm out. Didn't even care when they beat up the leader of the synagogue. Then First Thessalonians, so Paul is writing to the church and, of course, expresses his love for them and how they were encouragement for him and how encouraged he was in their belief when he preached. He tells them he wanted to see how they were doing since it had been a while since he had been there and was afraid they might have fallen away. But Timothy comes back with good news that they are still following God as they know. And so he goes on to give them some pointers about their faith. Remember, they didn't have the Bible, so the instruction Paul gives would be welcomed and needed as much as it is today for us believers. And so, starting in chapter 4, Paul tells them to live to please God. They should avoid sexual immorality, control over their own body. So what is that? No sexual sins, adultery, having sex before marriage, homosexuality, prostitution, temple prostitutes, that's where they would have sex to celebrate God, etc. And basically says, work hard and be nice to people. And outsiders will respect that. He tells them not to worry about believers who have died. We should not mourn the same way the world does, as we will see each other in eternity if we are in Christ Jesus. He also tells them to be prepared for when the Lord comes back. Uh, as you know, to date, he has still not come back. But as Pastor Paul once put it, he's closer than he's ever been before. So that word still holds true today. Paul finally leaves them with, with two pieces of advice that is still very much needed today. And that's in the final verses. Rejoice always. 
Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Thessalonians 2. They got a second letter. This one more direct and probably because of some concerns that arose. Of course, he starts out encouraging them in their faith and to stay the course in that. Paul expresses more information about the end times, but they are not to be alarmed by this because they serve Jesus Christ who will take care of those who are evil and do evil things. He tells them to stay firm in the gospel and by doing so, they will be just fine and to pray about it. By praying, God will deliver them all from wicked people. He also tells them not to be idle as this can cause them to start thinking and doing things that are not good. There's a reason for the expression, idle hands are Satan's handiwork. There is nothing like boredom to cause chaos where none was needed nor wanted. Then we go back to Acts 18 through 19. We meet Priscilla and Aquila who became fast friends of Paul and are great encouragers and leaders of the faith in Ephesus. And it is there after Paul leaves that these two encounter a man named Apollos from Alexandria who had some knowledge of the scriptures and they were able to help him know the whole story and he was able to take that knowledge with him as he traveled and was an excellent debater with his Jewish opponents. Then we get a cool story out where Paul is talking to the believers at Ephesus and making sure that they know and believe is the truth. And God was doing miracles with Paul, including if he touched a handkerchief and someone who touched that handkerchief would be healed. Seeing this, some wanted to do that same thing. And this is where we learn of the seven sons of Sceva who try to exercise demons out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. That's literally what they said. Not in the name of Jesus, but in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Uh, but the demons actually respond to this with Jesus we know, Paul we've heard of, but who are you? And then unfortunately, the demons beat them severely. So many, many lessons on what not to do. Uh, just a Kelly side note before we go back into Ephesus. Uh, the way, like I've explained before, is what Christians called themselves and their beliefs. They were followers of the way because Jesus said he was the way. And it is actually at the Church of Antioch where the new believers would be referred to as Christians or little Christ. That's how we got the name. Anyway, just wanted to point that out since... That's in there. So now we go back to the back to Ephesus and there is great disturbance, of course, which ends up becoming a full out riot, which has my favorite verse on it. The <laughs> I love this verse. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. <laughs> I just Whoa, I see all the comedies. I was told there would be pie. I just... <laughs> the whole scene. The whole scene cracks me up. But then, and on top of this, then the city clerk comes out and makes an absolute excellent point that I think we can still use today. And so, as the Bible says, the city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians. Doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and do not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal Assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. 
after he said this, he dismissed the assembly. Short version, if you have facts on your side, why are you so upset? That is so true today, too. Anyway, 1 Corinthians uh, chapters 1 through 5. So Corinthians 1 and 2 are important because we see that in a new church growing and with the combination of Jews and Gentiles, there are some issues. And so when you read these letters, keep in mind that it may seem subtle to us, but that is because we have a copy of these letters and the wisdom from God to last thousands of years. Also keep note, there is so much you can gain from all the letters, and there are so many sermons on just a single verse. My desire in all of this for the podcast is just to give you a basic understanding of what is going on. So if you want to go deeper, I and I suggest that you do, uh, I suggest listening to some sermons from actual preachers such as Pastor Paul Shepard, Dr. Tony Evans, Dr. David Jeremiah, and old Billy Graham sermons. They will, they're fantastic preachers and teach you a lot. With that in mind, let's jump in. So we see that the church has broken into cliques bragging about who they follow. And Paul is like, there is no division. There is literally only Christ. The rest of us are servants of Christ. And yes, we taught you who Christ is, but you need to be following him and not us. He also goes on to explain that God's wisdom was hidden, but through the Holy Spirit who speaks the truth in our spirit, not only can we see the wisdom God has laid out in his word, but we can understand it ourselves. However, to those who don't believe, this wisdom will pass them up. Furthermore, what Paul taught was more likely like a baby receiving milk. The beginning, but we are to grow in our knowledge and act like adults in Christ, which means we give up our worldly nature more and more for the wisdom and the calling of the cross, especially if you are a leader. And don't act childish because you don't think someone like Paul is watching because God is watching you. And so to help Paul sent Timothy to keep them going in the right direction. Whew, then some tea gets spilled because in the middle of this letter, we find out that a man the stepson was sleeping with his stepmom and the church was allowing this oh no absolutely not and paul makes it very clear that this is for believers because as he points out in chapter 5 verse 9 through 11 i wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters in that case you would have to leave this world but now i am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy an idolater or slandered a drunkard or swindler do not even Eat with such people. Ending in verse 12 with expel the wicked person from among you. <laughs> Chapters 6 through 10, we get into the lawsuits against brothers and sisters in Christ and how that is not supposed to be. We are supposed to be doing right by one another and therefore it should never come to that. But then, as it is now, sadly, we do each other wrong. And as Paul points out, we have lost our moral ground by doing so. As he states, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. As sexual sins are the only sin we commit against our own bodies, and that body was paid with the blood by Christ. Now would be a good time to point out to you that you cannot like what the Bible has to say, but it doesn't change what it says. And it is God who says it. So if you have issue with what the Bible says, you need to take it up with him. I know I've had some issues with what it says, but again, God is right. We are wrong. So since we're on the subject, of course, Paul discusses marriage. 
First and foremost, sex with only each other. And do not deprive each other of sex unless an agreement in prayer and then only for a short time. Unmarried people, he thinks, are better off as we can devote all our time to God and not have to care about a spouse. However, since that is not the command from God, it is better to be married. Furthermore, divorce should not really be on the table for anyone. But if you end up married to a non-believer and that believer leaves you, let them go, but you are not to leave them. Kelly, side note, I am content being single, but if God sent the right man my way, I'd give up my singleness very quickly. In chapter 8, Paul is noting that while eating food to sacrificed idols is not a sin to everyone, to those who used to sacrifice that food to idols, it is an issue, and they are allowed to not think it is okay, and in love and support, you who it doesn't bother should not eat it in front of the one it does. You do not want to cause them to stumble in their walk. Or, for a different context, especially in today's world, We'll take alcohol. So drinking alcohol itself is not a sin. Being drunk is. But for many, having a drink or two doesn't even register with them that it may be an issue for someone else. However, for some, because that is something that would hurt their walk with Christ or they're recovering from drinking in excess, you would not want to drink around them so as not to hurt them and their walk in some way. Chapter 9, this is where Paul begins to express rules for money and preachers. And it is perfectly fine to get paid to be a preacher. This is what Paul says. Soldiers get paid to protect even though it is a duty, and so do preachers. Now, I'm not sure that Paul ever saw a preacher of the word having like, you know, jets and uh, all the cars and houses that some of them do today. But then he probably didn't see the prosperity gospel being a thing. Either. I mean, I really don't think Paul saw this because especially given the circumstances that they were in, they had to give up all they had to make sure they were all taken care of since they were kicked out of society and their families when they become believers in Christ. So to come from that, to think that now not only are you accepted, but now you make so much money you can have private jets would probably be quite the stretch for Paul. All that to say that belief in Christ requires sacrifice. Then Paul shows the past of Israel so that we will not make the same mistake they made. I love Paul's wording in chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, when he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. In chapters 11 through 14, Paul then talks about the tradition of women covering their heads, why it was done. But if you'll read 11.10, it is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. This is a God thing between you and God. Also, if you're going to eat separately, eat at home. If you're going to eat as a congregation, eat all together and make sure those who can't afford food are given some. In chapter 12, Paul goes over the spiritual gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. We do not all have the same gift, but we are to use our gift for the church. Now, there are some great resources out there to help you find what your spiritual gift is and how to use it for God's glory and your personal fulfillment. Paul goes on with this idea about how we are all together one body, but each of us fulfills a different part. No one part is better or more important than another, but are needed to continue to spread the gospel to the unbelievers. Of course, chapter 13 is seen as the love chapter, usually recited at weddings, but it is all for each one of us to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And finally, Paul ends with an explanation of speaking in tongues and order in worship. Basically, the only way speaking in tongues is from God is when someone else is there that can interpret what is being said and that the room is not in chaos. I won't get on the soapbox but I think you can hear my toe. Anyway, this is where we end today. So if you have any reactions, thoughts, questions, or words you need to throw my way, please do so at my website, bmepodcast.com. Have a most fabulous week, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.